How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Center Shikakers podcast. This is your host, your basic podcast host, coming to you from the closet. Um, hope everyone's doing well. Um, I just wanted to start off this episode with a little house cleaning, I guess, if you could call it that, on the last episode. I know it's a very divisive topic, the um, LGBTQ community, and it, I don't want anyone to think that I was wading into that topic. I don't know, just to pick a... Clearly, I'm not trying to pick a side. I'm trying to pick the humanist side, but... Um, and it's not like I'm doing it for clicks or exposure, because generally the exposure you get from anything like that or broaching that subject unless you're on the the purely activist side or the pc side you're gonna get you're gonna get flack for it uh i'm not doing it to just be you know i don't know i i did it because and as i think i stated somewhat in that episode it's like I, this is the centrist podcast right so i mean trying to find a center, trying to find the place where people are talking past each other so we can center ourselves, so we can have a better conversation. I mean, that's really the whole point of this podcast, I suppose. Um, and I know this is this is a topic that is going to continue to divide us when I, I don't think it needs to. Um, I might seem a little insensitive, and I, you know, I'm aware of that. Uh, I try to be aware of that, I should say. Um... Some people say my insensitivity will immediately put me on a side. Uh, I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping people can see through that. And when people make a mistake or an error in speech or whatever, that it, it doesn't immediately turn you into some sort of transphobe or bigot or something. I think there's plenty of bigotry to go around. I really, if people look up the meaning of the word bigotry, it's just not, I think that word gets misused all the time. And it's very frustrating that it does because it has. <laughs> as a specific meaning that we should use it properly. Um, and essentially that reason, or the, the definition is, it's a person who is obstinately or unreasonably attached to a belief. Essentially, people being tied to ideology, mm -hmm, uh, opinion or faction, especially one who is prejudiced against or antagonistic towards a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular group. Essentially saying anyone who has a different ideology. Um, and that's the thing is when you're we're so captured by ideology, uh, it doesn't allow you to sympathize or empathize with people of a different one. And that's why I'm so anti-ideology. I don't like it when good things like uh, just accepting people who for who they are, the rainbow community, uh, people of different cultures, blah blah blah, any of those things. I don't I don't I don't like it when those things become ideologies. Uh, because they shouldn't be. Um, and that's, those are just, I'm trying to flatten that intensity um, a little bit. But um, obviously I'm not always successful at that or never successful. <laughs> but that was the intent of that episode. And I just, I find it very ironic that the conservative folks are making a scientific argument. A scientific argument that I don't bother to refute because I think the science is pretty clear about uh, biological sex. And I think that more of the rainbow community, they might appreciate some of the science, but they, they seem to have, uh, they live in more of the horizon science. That, that is just a science, scientifically based, but not, you'd have to go back and listen to the episode to understand the analogy I'm making here now, I guess. But for those who did, or anyone who did, um, 
yeah, I just I see that the horizon science is the main other place where the activists live, or they live in complete woo-ness, I think. And I think that's the problem is where their ideology has captured them and they don't they don't care about the science. It mainly becomes a thing about feelings or, you know, um, yeah, stuff along those lines. It becomes essentially feelings or um, anything else. And because we don't know exactly what the science creates here. We don't know what the science is doing. Uh, and how we turn out. I mean, I might be, I'm not intersex, but I might be, I might have XX chromosomes. I've never had my chromosomes looked at, but maybe I just have that SRY gene that made me a man. I don't know. And, you know, it's like I, the re, when it becomes identity in politics, it, it's, it just, it grinds at me. I, I want to flatten those things. Those things are not important. I call myself the, your basic podcast host and I want everyone to be as basic as me. Not that I want everyone to look like me or be like me, but I want whatever your identity is to be completely unimportant. Uh, it's more about the value of who you are as a person. Like, how are you helping the world? How are you helping your community? Um, and so these arguments about what, what a woman is, is, you know, it doesn't matter to me. What's a man? It doesn't matter. Um, nature provides us so many different variables and so many different, so much different variety uh, that those things don't matter to me. Whether you're Andy Dick or The Rock, whether you're you know, um, Misha Tate or whether you're Yunmi Park or something, you know, there's all these different types of what a woman is and what a man is. I think I understand the history of, of how some of those things were framed, um, as far as what women's roles are and what a man's roles are. And I'm, I think, I wish we could just acknowledge that we're at the point where we can see through what the past is, the veil of the past the veil of the past, excuse me, the veil of the past that is put over our eyes. Aren't we smart enough to see through that at this point? I'm hoping we are. And I'm, I just, and so I laugh off some of this stuff, but I understand for others, it's deadly serious. And I think once again, most of those people are ideologically captured either to the left or the right. And maybe that's my ideology. If you want to, I'm not claiming, I guess I try to be non-ideological, but if I, my ideology is to bring everyone in and, 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 and detoxify whatever your identity is so we can all be here as earthlings and human beings. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess that's a better idea. I, you know, <laughs> far be it for me to be biased, but I'd, I'd say that's a better ideology because my ideology is trying not to pit me against anybody else. I'm trying to fight off my own bigotry and misunderstanding. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it's going to be a topic just like race. These very, you know, very uh, <laughs> dangerous and topics that we're not supposed to talk about. They're just going to keep coming up on this podcast. I'd like to that they didn't, um, but they will because I, I think the culture is, it is the battleground. One thing the conservatives had really gotten right, in my opinion, is, is that the culture is where a lot of people are going to put their stakes in because all the policy uh, that, that fascinates me about what the left you know, um, left talks about the bet, the policies that are going to make your life more materially, materially, uh, uh, safe and secure, uh, and allow, allow you to actually have a life of flourishing. Yes. That's me opening a beer. Um, I think that as fascinating as those things are, most people don't have time to figure those things out. Uh, most people are busy trying to raise kids and, and, you know, like, like me working two jobs or working a job or arguing with their boyfriend or girlfriend or, or whatever it is they're doing. Um, 
Now, I know the left immediately is going to say, well, that's because this corporatist slash capitalist system we're living in is the reason those people are too busy and can't figure these things out for themselves. And if we just allowed that, you know, and that's a, I'm sorry, that's a legitimate argument. We work too damn hard as Americans. I know the rest of the world is different. I haven't experienced enough of the rest of the world to speak confidently about what the other world, the, the rest of the world is going through, but I know they have more paid time off. I know there's a lot paternity leave and sick leave is a thing we argue about here in America and all these other stresses about being on the brink of losing your job all the time. And I mean, there's so many, so many problems that America can fix, but we're still also some sort of weird superpower and empire in a weird way. I mean, we are, when we're the last empire for now until there's a dynasty, if China has their way. Um, and we're fading, we're fading because, uh, which is what it is. I don't need to be an empire. Um, it's good to live in an empire. I mean, it's, we, <laughs> but also I feel like in an empire, it's has this global connotation, but the people within the empire are just as ruled as anybody else were occupying, which America, thankfully, well, you could say we're occupying places like South Korea and Japan and all the other places we have military bases, but I mean, that's a pretty weak occupation. We're not running their government or anything like that. South America maybe has a different, different argument they can make on us meddling in their affairs. But anyways, uh, the, the point was, is that Americans are, are just as controlled and ruled in, within this American empire as anybody else. Uh, so, and we have shitty lives, frankly. I think we are very disconnected. There's a total lack of spiritual connection to each other. Um, any lack of, there's a lack of meaning and drive. Uh, and it's not like I want that hole to be filled by complete propaganda about what America is or, um, things that I consider fictitious, uh, like, you know, the, 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 three monotheums that we got to deal with. I don't, I don't want those to just fill the hole because they become uh, an edifice of power and unto themselves that will, uh, can keep you just as buried and miserable as anything else. I mean, if, if religion was the cure, it seems like it would have uh, provided a lot more answers a long time ago. Um, now arguing about religion and exploring those religions can be meaningful, but settling on one and just writing it until your death. I don't, anyways, I'm getting distracted here. I just feel like um, there's nothing pulling us towards the center anymore. And identity politics and those things, they keep us separated as much as our poverty and our desperation do as Americans. And I, I mean, I'm not in Congress. Uh, I'm not in my state Congress or the federal you know, Congress. I don't have the power, the ability to craft legislation. The only power I have is to organize people and to... And essentially take to the streets to use my constitutional right to uh, peaceably assemble and go protest and get in people's faces, essentially, and not in a threatening or a hostile way, but to say, hey, we're not going away until things start to change. And I think that would be, you know, and so I guess that's this is me shouting into the void, this whole podcast. I'm trying to disarm our identities. I'm trying to arm us for the grander identity of just a little more uh, there's so many toxic words. Justice shouldn't be a toxic word, but it sort of is these days. Equality and equity, those are toxic words, though they shouldn't be because they don't mean such a horrible things. Uh, all these things tend to get weaponized by specific sides, and it just grosses me out. I just want to bring people together. And it sounds like when you talk about these inflammatory topics that you're always going to try to take a side. Well, my side is with 
my side is in the middle trying to hold each of your hands and pull you in together and maybe give you a slap in the face every now and then to get you to come to your senses just come to your senses about this stuff because it's i know it's important to you but and that's fine but you also need to <laughs> you also need to let people have what's important to them be important as well because otherwise you're just trying to control the culture and culture is supposed to come from all of us i'm not foolish enough to believe that my culture here even in washington state is the same as those in florida or texas or that their culture is the same as those in rhode island or north dakota i mean america is a large continent and it's okay to have we don't need to have one homogenous culture necessarily but there are things that do connect us even there i mean we love our sports um we love to argue our politics we love you know uh, the things that make us americans are you know our cuisine i guess but even that is global in some sense which i find fascinating and amazing and beautiful um fascinating and amazing yes that's right both of those things they're different somehow um but yeah i just i and so i getting back to that topic i just i brought it up and i think felt i needed to say something because it, it is a dividing line and anywho Let's just move on from that. It's the, the culture is a place I'm going to continue to fight in because I just feel like it, not that, not that I want to shape what the culture is, but I want the culture just to shape itself. And I feel like everyone's trying to get their hands on the steering wheel of what the culture is. And that's not how it works throughout history. Yes, it has been dictated from on high by those monotheisms, uh, maybe even by government and things like that. But ultimately culture comes from the stories, comes from our history, comes from, you know, it just comes from, it's supposed to come from a multifaceted place instead of people trying to dictate what the culture is on social media. Um, or maybe I'm a fool. Maybe it's always been that way. I guess prove me wrong. It's something I'd have to look at. I'm not, um, I'm not an anthro, anthro, anthropologist. I'm not, uh, I'm not a trained historian, obviously, but it seems to me that culture is more of a naturally forming thing, almost like it, it forms from erosion or an earthquake, I guess. But it doesn't seem, I don't like this top-down approach I keep feeling from people who they want to tell you how the culture is supposed to work. It's like, no, let it just happen. Um, and if there's a little friction, maybe that helps the culture. Maybe the friction is a good thing and we should just accept it for what it is, leave people alone who don't think and feel like you do. And um, maybe they're not necessarily bigots, but maybe, maybe, I'm sure there's plenty. I'm sure there are people who are bigots. There are but maybe you don't need to use such harsh words. Maybe just like, well, they can be bigoted in their way and I'll have to be bigoted in mine. Just acknowledge that if, if someone's a bigot towards you, it's probably pretty likely that you're actually a bigot towards them at the same time. It's sort of like a shared hatred, is it not? Unless I'm confused about that as well. Oh, so much confusion. Anyways, um, moving on past that, it's my house cleaning, which I don't, which I don't feel like I cleaned anything, but I just wanted to sort of explain. And I know that I didn't dwell on enough of the that gender is the acting out of your gender, whatever, however you feel about what being a man or woman is, and that conservatives tend to stick on the biological science side um, and biological sex side, which is just this weird, weird split that doesn't <laughs> tends to not be that way. But it is in this instance, I feel, and it's not like I'm saying, oh, conservatives have science on their side. There's, there's plenty of science that confuses. And that's what I was trying to highlight in the last episode, I guess. There's plenty of science that confuses their very simple, uh, your chromo the chromosomal argument and things like that. The, there's a, the science is even messier than that. But even then, the science still helps point in a certain direction. And it sucks that uh, the science also, biology and evolution, create such wild variation because some of those variations just don't fit neatly into what the science produces often. 
and that's and that's where we get that that split where if the conservatives could just accept that and stop be so uptight about it and stop trying to convert people or tell them they aren't what those people feel that they are i think we just get a lot further in life and we could just squash this this issue for the most part and and help people actualize themselves which is really what we should be doing um but we don't we tend to fight about it and we make it a big political thing about bathrooms or whatever anyways speaking of political things um i just i <laughs> it's i find it mind-blowing uh, that Biden's poll numbers are in the frickin' toilet. And and he's going to pick this new Supreme Court justice who he, he stated during his campaign that he was going to choose a black woman. Which I don't... Fine. Okay. The fact that he says it, though, that's the only thing that bothers me. Like, why... It seemed at the time like you were simply... You're simply... You're signaling, you're virtue signaling that, oh, what if I'm picked, I'm going to pick a black woman. Um, it's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I mean, and then, and then after that, it's like, well, I'm going to make, I'm going to make sure she's qualified or whatever else. So there's obviously, there's all sorts of qualified uh, black female judges who, you know, can be elected to the Supreme Court. Uh, and that'd be great if they were. But when you lead with race, it's like, well, I mean, and this is, I know, the, once again, the history doesn't add up to where if someone said, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to nominate a, no, you don't elect. I'm going to nominate a judge, a white male judge. It's like, well, everyone would freak out about that because, well, we've had enough white male judges. But I just think, once again, I'm trying to make this the same. I'm trying to um, <laughs> devalue our identities because they're really not as important as we make them out to be. But it's important, supposedly, that it's a black female, which she would be the first, and it's it, she will be the first. I don't know who it's going to be yet. But just the leading in race, leading with the race part bothered me. It would have been one thing if he just, I'm going to appoint a qualified individual. It's like, oh, okay, we got nothing to say here. He's going to make his choice. And then, boom, he then he nominates uh, a black woman. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit, the first one. And then we could all sort of, then, I mean, I'm sure the conservatives would still make a big deal out of it. Like, oh, this is this sort of pick. I mean, they wouldn't let up off this subject one way or the other, which is disconcerting. I mean, at that point, you should just go, okay, she's qualified. She's the first black female justice. You know, America wins again. America's that much closer to harmony. Uh, but instead, they, they content, conservatives tend to sow the discord by saying it's some sort of um, affirmative action pick, which is I think is total nonsense. Um, I mean, if you're qualified, you're qualified. That's not affirmative action. Um I mean, and frankly, it's like Clarence Thomas is a black man and he's, he's <laughs> very conservative. Um, so it's like, it's like, once again, I don't think color means as much as what well, doesn't mean as much as we, I, I bet you could find a black conservative woman justice, by the way. So, it's, um, but the Supreme Court's a completely biased and partisan institution these days, which is deeply disconcerting because that was not what it was supposed to be given our constitution. Um, but it is, um, and, you know, it also feels just like flailing, you know, and Biden calls Peter Ducey, like the stupid son of a bitch or whatever. Now he's going to uh, nominate his Supreme Court pick, which is, you know, whatever. I have no no issue with it. Um, calling him a stupid son of a bitch, the hypocrisy the media was on display when, you know, they freaked out every time Trump said anything negative to a reporter. But here is he, Biden calling him a stupid son of a bitch on a live mic and people are laughing and celebrating it and saying Biden has, you know, like a, some sort of feather in his cap when 
I don't know. It's just like, isn't, don't you see the hypocrisy? If it works, you know, I know Trump is a much more, uh, he's a much more toxic figure, but, but I mean, it's, doesn't that make it even worse? I mean, you expect Trump to say something like that. Biden, I don't know. Anyways, the news is full of nonsense these days, other than Ukraine, which is continuing to roil over there, more troops on the border, Biden's activating 8,500 of our own military to put into uh, surrounding NATO countries and like this firm of readiness. He essentially tried to get our embassy emptied out. Meanwhile, the people in Ukraine are like, why are you doing that? You're ratcheting up tension. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> There's no reason to do that. Other countries, other NATO allies who have embassies in Ukraine are not emptying out their embassies. So it's like America's just, we're just turning up the temperature on something that doesn't need to be turned up. Uh, doesn't need to be this divisive. I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal. It's a scary situation. I mean, Russia's a nuclear power. Not, nothing we should be ignoring. Um, so what else is in the news? Um, oh, well, this isn't really news, but more culture talk, I suppose. Uh, unfortunately, I said a few episodes ago that Jordan Peterson was going to be on the Crystal Kyle and Friends podcast. And I was really looking forward to that because they are both... Uh, social Democrats on the left. Um, and so I was blown away that they were going to have Jordan on and I was very excited about it because I want to see him challenged in a, in a fair way. I want to see him challenged by people who aren't going to just, you know, throw barbs at him, but give him honest critiques who have gone over his work, who Kalinsky has even mentioned that he finds him a very fascinating figure when it comes to the philosophy and psychology portion of his arguments and things like that, what he would push back on maybe his politics and maybe on his, um, his promotion of the Bible narrative and things like that, which Jordan is, Jordan does. Um, Crystal, I have a feeling she's just not a very big fan, but we'll probably ask him some honest and fair questions. Uh, but either way, I, was, I just thought, okay, this is going to be interesting. These are the kind of time of conversations I want. Unfortunately, because Jordan's going on some big tour this summer, he canceled because he needs time to rest. But he did take the time to go on Mr. Rogan's podcast, which is, you know, obviously Rogan wins over any other podcast because he's he's canceling Neil he's canceling Neil Young at this point. He's so big. If you haven't heard that story, check it out. Neil Young Rogan. It's kind of a funny story. But uh, so of course Jordan goes on with Rogan, um, and he they start with some sort of they start with actually they start talking about the the climate. And then the very next day, of course, because Rogan's constantly under scrutiny these days, which he should be. I mean, he's got a huge podcast, but the podcast doesn't promote itself as some sort of news source. Anyways, because he's under so much scrutiny, of course, he, of course, they would ratchet that up even further with Jordan Peterson on. They were talking about the climate. Jordan kind of makes some flippant comments about like, hey, climate models are impossible to lock down because there's far too many variables because the climate is ill-defined, apparently, according to Jordan. The climate is, you know, essentially the, uh, takes on the scope of the entire planet. And Jordan essentially was contending, if unless I'm mistaken, Jordan was contending that that's too many variables for you to model accurately. Uh, and so from a layman's terms, like, yeah, that seems right. I mean, that's just too many ingredients. You don't know how it's going to go wrong. And once one flaw begets another flaw, you have this cascade of errors. So where does that take you? Does it take you anywhere near an actual truth? And, and to me, that seems pragmatically like, yeah, okay, I guess I could understand that. I don't write up, you know, economic or ecological or climate models. I don't write any of these things. So, but I do understand that the more balls you have in the air that you're juggling, 
the harder it is for you to do these things and come out with accurate predictions. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't methods, there aren't programs as far as our computers that you can use to increase your odds to, or certain models that maybe deal with fewer, fewer variables and fewer inputs and things like that. I don't know. The argument that Jordan made seemed, seemed like an argument that a skeptic would make. So, so, and I don't, and, and that's the other part is I don't think that Jordan is a climate skeptic necessarily. I think he's skeptical of the models, but he's concerned about marine life. I mean, he talks about it in that episode as well, about how he's talked about how we've completely overfished and destroyed the coastline sea life, uh, essentially globally all and around every continent. We've just completely anni annihilated the ecological system uh, along the coast for a great deal of the coast. I think he said 40 miles out or something like that, which is a long, it's just a long ways. So we've, we've depleted, uh, an ecological system which can have you know dire ramifications and and uh, effects throughout the rest of the oceanic um ecosystem which is massive obviously on the planet but um so i guess once again he has some concern for the environment but of course cnn com comes out with a total hit piece about it they it's 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 a four-hour conversation he has with rogan this is the one thing they picked on and they pick on just that one topic. They don't go into any other detail about anything else that he said. They just had to put out their piece that essentially said Jordan Peterson is a, essentially a climate denier and he doesn't know what he's talking about. And these are coming from people who are climatol. I think it was Michael Mann was one of the was one of the uh, I'm going to try to click on the article now again. He was one of the guys being very critical of Jordan. And there was another guy who, who, which I always find funny when they post like their Twitter stuff, like, oh, thanks for giving me some Twitter, you know, beef that he's trying to start with Jordan Peterson and, and Joe Rogan. Um, but yeah, they, they, they focus in on his language and they try to make him sound like he's some sort of horrible climate denier. And I don't really think he is. I think if he has a shot at your climate model, then why don't you address that specifically? Is he, he's, he's taking a shot. Then you explain it. You get on, don't write an art, don't print some hit piece CNN about, which I will include in the show notes if you want to read it. And maybe, maybe I'm overreacting to it. Maybe I'm being defensive of Jordan when I shouldn't be. Uh, you tell me, <clears throat> but I don't think I am. I just feel like it was such a disingenuous argument to come at him. Like he's a climate denier when he's clearly not. And then also explain where he's wrong, uh, refute his skepticism or re it's not refute. It's relieve his skepticism. Uh, I don't think anyone should have a problem with being with skeptics. Um, I think skepticism is a healthy thing for all of us uh, in all aspects of our life. Now, I think you could be you can uh, cripple yourself with skepticism, which obviously isn't helpful. And I don't want us to be crippled by skepticism when it comes to action on things that we should be taking care of. When it comes to the environment, we should be cleaning up our act. We should be trying to get off of. Uh, fossil fuels if we can and when it's prudent to do so um uh anyways yeah i just thought that was i just wish they engage these people don't don't dis they essentially labeled jordan and dismissed him here's an idiot who doesn't know what he's talking about done it's like well that's fine maybe he doesn't entirely know what he's talking about but how about you t if he doesn't how about you educate the people who listen to jordan i guess like me if you want to be fair educate me as to why he's wrong about the climate models Tell me why your climate models are accurate. Now, I know, I know, I know there is a wild, not consensus, but a wild 
uh, high mar wildly high margin of climate scientists who are in agreement about where the planet is going in the next 100 years or so. Um, now, I don't know if they've all run their own models and made up their own models, because I know there is some confusion. Back in the 70s, they were saying we're going to have another ice age, and I even read an article, maybe it was less than 10 years ago, but getting close to that, about how they were still, there was still a chance that we might enter an ice age. Now, maybe these are, these are the models that are as flawed as Jordan is talking about, perhaps. Maybe that's it. But the contention that science can screw up isn't much of a contention because it clearly can. Um, science is, you know, it's all about challenging the science before it, is it not? So I think we should continue to run models. We should be continuing to add different variables or inputs or simplifying them to just see where that might take us. I just, the science is never settled. I don't care how many scientists have signed on to it because they should be doing their damn job and continuing to uh, rototill that science and see what else is cultivated, see what other information we can glean. Um, but yeah, that's not, that's not to say that our skepticism should render us uh, inert when it comes to these things. But um, uh, the other thing that I found interesting from that Jordan interview with Rogan that would probably that leftists will not talk about, but he literally says in the first few minutes that the fastest, the best way to to combat climate is to get all the poorest people as rich as possible as fast as possible, and so and that to me is like well that's that's a leftist argument if I've ever heard one. I mean, I, how do you do that right away? I don't know. Uh, unfortunately, I think some of it's probably going to be burning fossil fuels or creating nuclear power plants, which I'm open, I'm, I'm open to that idea, obviously about the nuclear power plants, less about the fossil fuels, but I'd be curious to see what an honest social Democrat or even out and out communist would say when they hear those words come out of Jordan's mouth. It's like, cause you're trying to, you would think of the two problems that you would solve. I mean, those are the biggest problems that a lot of leftists have is like, well, the poverty and wealth inequality and also, and also the climate. And here's Jordan's solution is, well, give all the poor people as much money as we possibly can, as fast as we can. And then let's, and then he thinks that'll fix the climate. And by the way, he has a reason why he thinks that'll help fix the climate because then it would be more on people's radar, which is true. Um, but then again, if people, those people are as wealthy as, I think it would also create problems. So I have some issues with Jordan's take. Um, and that's that I want people to stay in poverty, but I feel like if we turn everybody into Americans, that would be a problem because we, we need to reduce our consumerism, not increase the world's consumerism. If you could increase their wealth as far as like clean water, and shelter and access to healthy, nutritious foods. Yes. If you would call that wealth, yes, I could hundred percent get on board with that, but we all don't need, uh, uh, family homes with four bedrooms and three bathrooms or whatever, and a two car garage. That is not the sort of wealth I think he's talking about, but I think the, the, the reason he was saying it would help is if you could maybe uh, decrease the desperation for those things that we actually need, people might actually have time to think about the climate. Like, hey, what about my great-grandchildren's future? Is there going to be a planet for them? Maybe I should do something to keep the planet healthy or reduce my carbon footprint or anything else. So there's, there's some challenges within Jordan's solution, but ultimately... I, Maybe maybe he's playing us all for fools by saying that. I'm not sure, but he seemed honest when he said it, and he said it more than once. So, anyways, that Jordan Peterson episode with Rogan is interesting. I think feel like Rogan sort of tried to keep him contained and at least keep him on track, and also push back a little bit, which is good because in the past he seemed a little too 
uh, he said like he went along with Jordan a little too much. I think um, I think Jordan deserves some honest pushback, and that's why I'm saddened that he will not be on the Crystal Kyle and Friends podcast. Um, but maybe in the future, um, might be pushed out towards summer. Maybe he gets a break in his tour. <clears throat> so, what else did I want to talk to you guys about today? How uh, oh, I <laughs> I have a long clip. So that I'm going to play for you in a second. But to preface that, Coleman Hughes, uh, one of my favorite podcasters and intellectuals, uh, philosopher from Columbia and also musically trained at Juilliard, motherfucker. Um, he came out with a music video recently called Blasphemy. You can look it up. Uh, his rap name or hip hop name is called Coleman and it's called cold, like with an, and then an X in the middle and then man, uh, very cool music video. I recommend everyone go check it out. Um, if you don't like hip hop, eh, whatever, just give it a listen anyways and see if you like it. If you do like hip hop, um, you probably enjoy it. I hope. <sighs> but, um, he was recently on another podcast I found on YouTube. I think someone posted it to his Patreon or on one of the Facebook pages I'm following him at, but, um, he, uh, they posted it and is an interview he did with uh, a Dr. Sheena Mason. I'm not sure where she teaches, but she did mention that she has students and she just, uh, outlined these philosophies of race. And I, I found it endlessly fascinating. It's a, it's a very long clip. It's really all I can, uh, give you a prelude to or to what it is, but that's what they were talking about. They talked about his music video and they talked about some other things, but it was basically, basically revolved around the, the philosophy of race. And I thought it was uh, fascinating and it, it was educational to me. So I thought I'd just share it here. It's a long clip, but, um, but it's worth listening to. And so I'm hoping you get as much out of it as I did, but here it is. And I'll ha hopefully have, hopefully I'll have something to say on the other side of this. I don't know. Who knows? So, um, there's a d discipline of philosophy called philosophy of race and philosophers say that there are six philosophies of race, three that speak to what a person thinks race is and three that speak to what a person thinks should be done with race. And each of us holds two philosophies, even without having the proper philosophical language to say, this is my philosophy of the first three categories. There's something called naturalism, which means that you think race is biological. It's in nature. This has been, of course, disproven, though you have some scientists still holding on to the concept of race as biological. Then you have something called constructionism, which is the default position in our society, where, like gender, people will say race is a social construction. They might concede the point that race is not in nature, but they still say that because of how racism operates itself, race is rendered real in a socially constructed way. And then the third category that speaks to what a person thinks race is, is something called skepticism. Skeptics argue that race is not, because race is not in nature, it's not real. I'm a skeptic. My skepticism takes me further than that. So that two of my core tenets for my theory of racistness include race is not biological and race is not a construction. I see all of us as ultimately being raceless because race is not biological. Okay, check. I believe the science, I believe modern science, scientists when they say it's not biological. 
race as a social construction, I argue that what people perceive as race or racial, they're misnaming other things. They're misnaming ethnicity, which of course includes ancestry, it includes DNA, it includes culture. They're misnaming class. So blackness gets conflated with poverty almost incessantly, nonstop. That's a, that's a conceptual error to my mind. Or they're misnaming racism in itself which often camouflages itself as race and gets interpreted as race. But really, when you think about stereotypes and essentialization, it's, it, that's code for racism. It's racism having its way with us. And so as a skeptic myself, I say that race is not real in any way. Racism is real. Regarding the philosophies that speak to what a person thinks should be done with race, you have conservationism, which is, as it sounds, um, conservationists want to keep the concept of race. Probably they're naturalists because you can't do anything else with nature after all. Then you have reconstructionism, which is the default position in American society. So reconstructionists tend to be constructionists. And for whatever variety of reasons, they're trying to reconstruct what race is. So when I think about you talking with Desiree about hoping for race to be reconstructed to work similarly to how she describes it or experienced it in Jamaica, that's an example of reconstruction. Or when I think of Frederick Douglass with abolitionism trying to write humanity into the category of blackness, that's reconstructionism. Jim Crow, civil rights, Black Lives Matter, those are all reconstructionist efforts, which is part of my evidence that reconstruction has taken us as far as it can um and then the last category which is where i sit is something called eliminativism eliminativists argue that the concept of race should be eliminated i, I can't i don't want to misspeak and say all skeptics are eliminativists though they tend to be eliminativists um constructionists can also be eliminativists my mentor is a constructionist eliminativist i do think that skepticism and teaching people about skepticism, though, gets people to eliminativism more quickly. Um, but as an eliminativist, I recognize that most people believe in, in the fiction of race. Like in your lyrics, you say race is, is not real. Um, I think most people believe in the fiction of race, even when they say race isn't real, because constructionists will say race isn't real, but then that in the same breath, they'll say, but it's it, it, it's real and it matters and I want you to notice it about me, right? Um, so there's, to my mind, there's something to eliminate. And my purpose for eliminating is the literature and the history has shown me that to undo racism, we have to undo race. So that's how, and to my mind, that means we have to undo the belief in race since I say that race doesn't exist in the first place. So theory of racistness speaks to the skepticism in that we're already raceless at the radical act of recognizing our racelessness and stop conflating racelessness with whiteness because that's how so-called white people continue to be perceived to be free from racism from from the negative effects of racism and that's part of the machinery that keeps racism upheld and also racelessness is an aspirational you know, um, it's an aspiration because I recognize that most of our society believes in the fiction and treats it like it's real and doesn't see that there is an alternative way. Mm. Yeah, that was it. 
yeah, I loved it. I loved every minute of that. Uh, mostly because it agrees with my <laughs> preconceptions. Uh, so I'll 100% admit that. Um, I'm not above such petty things, but to hear somebody who's uh, as smart as she is, who's an educator, who's been to Howard, who's been to, you know, major universities, it's just like, okay, yeah, it's nice to hear somebody actually have talk a little more sense when it comes to this idea and why it needs to be completely eliminated. So I'm, I would, I'm going to go to her website. I haven't done it yet. Maybe I should have before I even did this podcast, but I haven't gone to her website yet to check out, uh, her, the, the theory of racelessness, but it's, it's, it's touching all the sensitive parts for me <laughs> as far as being a very good thing and something we should be pursuing. I just, I don't, I don't see the utility in it anymore. Uh, and when people were utilizing it, it was to hurt people. It was to keep people down. And we're, I mean, obviously the culture is trying to move past that. Well, I'm going to let it do that, but ultimately it's, it's, we need to stop using it to demonize each other. And I still see even the side who's trying to raise up those who have been historically marginalized or whatever, or whatever. I know it sounds dismissive. People who have been historically marginalized, they're still using it to try to attempt to marginalize others. Like, I don't see this pie of privilege as being unlimited. It, it, I want to have everyone be share all the privileges of white privilege that they they view white people to have. Like, if you assume that that's a fact that people are, white people have a privilege, well, I just want you to have that same privilege. I don't want you to somehow take something from those white people. I want you to just share in that same privilege. Like I said earlier in this podcast, I want us all to be a little more basic. There's nothing very special about any of us other than the fact that we live on this very special and amazing planet. And that's what makes us, that's what should bring us all together is we're here in this amazing fucking place and we continue to go to war and fight over stupid shit and languages and culture and politics and economics and everything else. I mean, some of those things are worth having arguments about, but the idea that we can start drawing lines on the planet and like, you're this place, you're that place, you're this culture, you're that culture. I understand there's, there is elements of culture that are fascinating that aren't the same. I know that all languages are not the same and cuisine is not the same and dance and music is not the same. And that's all wonderful and amazing. And I want those cultures to not just go away. I don't, I don't view some sort of massive homogenous earth, but I do think that we can get much closer to at least understanding. Like, isn't the, that's, isn't that what the internet is for? For we, us to have the exposure to other cultures and things like that. Isn't that what movies and television and radio and all these things, wasn't that, these are supposed to break down some of these walls. Uh, I think it maybe at one point it could have, but right now it seems like everything is so weaponized by our politics and identity politics and, and cancel culture and things like that to where, ironically, these things which should be breaking down those barriers are just erecting more. They're creating more bigots. They're creating more racists. They're creating more uh, ideologically captured people. And it's that's the great frustration is that, this this stuff this medium this all the all this information is supposed to be liberating and we just seem to be putting ourselves into uh camps and and wanting to put people other people in worse camps it's just really it's really strange and it's aggravating and i don't understand why it's not more apparent to people that 
I don't know. We need another culture of love, man. We need another summer of love. We just need to let shit go. You know, um, I don't know. I feel like I feel fairly liberated these days as far as just thinking clearly or more clearly, but it's always an effort. I mean, I get it. It's hard. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't understand how it's gotten so bad. And I'd like to think that I'm being deceived. Like maybe it's not as bad as I perceive it to be. Um, but I almost, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, that's hard to deny, I suppose, when there's anti-vax riots and protests and there's January 6th and there's let's go Brandon. I mean, some of that stuff's been fun. I, I just, I wish some of it was, well, I take that back. The let's go Brandon thing isn't fun. All those other things are very serious. Um, but it just doesn't seem like con uh, encountering skepticism should be some sort of some sort of a heretical thing. I mean, going back to the Jordan part is like if if he has some skepticism, you shouldn't be labeling him a heretic and dis trying to dismiss him and getting uh, Spotify to cancel Joe Rogan or something like that. That is that's the response you have. You sound like a purist. Like, can we just accept there is no purity anymore? I mean. Going back to even a further topic in this very same podcast, I mean, is, hasn't evolution showed us that there isn't a purity, that purity doesn't work, it doesn't help us survive? If if evolution's uh, uh, if evolution favored some sort of purity, I think we would have had some pure, perfect human at this point. Um, and you know, you know who else thought like that was fucking the Nazis. <laughs> circle around all the way around to the Nazis, of course. But I mean, that's the thing is like, are we really trying to think that way? Like there's some pure, perfect way of viewing the world or being no nature has showed us that, you know, we need all of us. We need all of the weirdness and oddities. We need all of the variations. We need the basic that we need to understand that even amongst the, those who are different than the basic, that they're still basic in their own way. Cause they're freaking earthlings and that no, no, we all have value and we all have something to give and something to take and something, I don't know. So we can all create something better. And I, I just like, yeah, it's very confusing that we haven't, we can't just take a deep breath, look at all the information in front of us, have a little goddamn humility and just, and just take, relax, <laughs> relax, enjoy each other. Um, I don't know. And then, then there's the nihilist, you know, who are going to fucking call me an idiot. I get it. I'm sounding like a hippy dippy sort of person right now. And that's fine. I don't, I, cause I can be, but the, the nihilism comes through is like, well, there's, there's someone in fucking power that's going to just squash all that shit. And, and I don't, I don't argue that point. I know we're up against it. I know there's some issues. There's very deep and meaningful problems that we, we have as, as a, as a race, as a human beings, as, as a race, fuck race, as earthlings. Sorry. See, even I can get caught up in the lexicon. But yeah, we have serious problems that we need to address. And these things, you know, this, this piousness around skepticism, this racial skepticism, or even climate skepticism, or even vaccine skepticism, this weird piousness and dismissal is toxic. This, you know, um, I don't know. I'm just at a loss for words anymore about some of this stuff. And that's not a good thing when you're trying to be a podcaster. So um, maybe I'll just leave it there. I think I've given enough of a speech as far as where I think this country should be going and what we should be doing and what we should be focused on. The bigger things, folks. None of this stuff truly matters. Um, now, like I said, I know it's not perfect. 
I know maybe because of who I am as your basic podcast host that it's easier for me to actualize myself, and that's my privilege, I suppose. But like I said, I I extend that privilege to everyone I meet. I assume that we're all on some sort of same journey. Uh, and this is coming from someone who's grown up in poverty, okay, or American poverty, I should say, not global poverty, but but certainly in my American poverty, I'm a, you know, I don't think I owe or have earned any more respect or anything because I work two jobs and I work my ass off and, you know, I'm able to put food on the table. That doesn't mean I think I'm better than those who can't, you know, I just, I just want that to be extended to everybody. I want us all to have the same right. I mean, that's the, that's the goddamn American dream. I mean, that's the sad, if that's what the American dream has sunk to is I just wish everyone had the same rights or everyone could feel the same let alone, God forbid, you want to do aspire to something better, right? I mean, some say that's the American dream, but right now it's just like, can we just have a lower bar so we can all be okay? Can we all have that low bar that Mr. 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 Peterson, Dr. Peterson, whatever wanted is for us so we can maybe focus on the bigger issues? Maybe that's the thing. Maybe his, maybe his solution isn't for better for climate, but maybe it's better for overcoming the corporatist nonsense we're up against. Yeah, and I don't think we live in a capitalist system. We're definitely in a corporatist system. And that's why I say that. But, oh, I wanted to... I wrote something down about that. It's like our science... Our politics and even the discipline of science has been corrupted by our warped culture, which has been mutated by the drug of social media and the excesses of our corporatist system. I think that kind of says it all as far as the situation we're in. That sentence could apply to a lot of things. I wrote it in response to how Jordan, that article on Jordan Peterson, but, and I think that's what it was. You just had, you had actual scientists who didn't have anything to say but some tweets and nonsense, and they, they didn't engage with the skepticism. They didn't engage. No one wants to engage anymore. They just want to own like that. It's, God, we, we are so warped. Yeah, warped by our social media. We're going to need to own videos and, and Twitter rants over discussion and and can, um, and humility and anything else. That's where are our values at. Anyways, I've ranted. That was quite a bit of a rant there at the end. Um, sure, many people checked out before I'm saying these words, but I love you all. Hope everyone's great. And uh, we'll see you again soon or hope to see you, hear you here at the Center Kickers podcast. Have a good one, everyone.